It's the British Wrestling Experience with Martin, Ollie, and Benno. Welcome to episode 9 of the British Wrestling Experience right here on postwrestling.com. I'm your host Martin Bushby and joining me as always are Ollie Court and Richard Benson aka Benno. Well I say as always, I mean this is the first time all three of us have actually been on a show together for about a month isn't it? I mean um, it's been a while since we all got together to chat, how's things with you two? I mean um, Benno you've got a big uh, stag party or bachelor party as they would say um, in North America coming up haven't you? I'm too old for all this stuff, Martin. Yeah, it's uh, one of my friends is getting married. Uh, my brother's the best man, so we're all going to Benidorm, which for the uninitiated is like a, it's a place where all Brits go to go and get sunburnt, essentially. Uh, <laughs> so we're all going over there. Uh, but I, I'm getting a bit too old for it though, because they're all they're all going out for the night out, and then uh, they're flying home at eight in the morning straight from a night out. So I've booked myself an extra day away there, just on my own, just some me time. And basically because I'm old and I don't think I'd make it onto the plane. So, yeah, looking forward to that. <laughs> Fantastic. I mean, um, I ain't can't, obviously, I've been in, away in the States for like uh, about three weeks. And um, I encountered the uh, American version of Benidorm, which is known as <laughs> Bourbon Street in New Orleans. Um, yeah, plenty of uh, 2 phone drink offers there and uh, lots of passed out frat boys on Bourbon Street <laughs> during uh, WrestleMania week, for sure. And <laughs> I was just stood there looking down it thinking, yeah, I would have loved this when I was 18, 19, but I'm a bit too old for this shit now. So, <laughs> but, I, you know, it did it one night and then, uh, you know, chilled out the rest of the time. And, um, Ollie, I mean, you were telling me just off air you're planning a trip to Japan for uh, Wrestle Kingdom next year, aren't yes. you? Yes. It's, it's a... Uh... It's definitely been a dream for a while, so I'm looking into making it happen now. Um, and maybe I can go to whatever the Japanese equivalent of Benidorm is. Uh, I guess Roppongi. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Get my show in your own. <laughs> but anyway, back to uh, what we're here to talk about, which is uh, British and European wrestling. And obviously, as always, um, tons of stuff's happened. So uh, let's jump right into it with uh, Defiant Wrestling and... Defiant are a company we haven't really spoken about since our first ever show right here on Post, and um, they kind of rose out of the ashes of What Culture Pro Wrestling, very similar to What Culture. They run regular shows mainly in the north of the of the UK, and um, but what what seems to be different to them to What Culture, they seem to be re- less reliant on imports than they were before, and. Um, they held their event, No Regrets, on the 28th of April in Newcastle. And um, the feature of this event uh, was a 30-person Royal Rumble-style match. And I've got to say, uh, going into this, I was quite trepidatious. But um, really good show from top to bottom. I think uh, one of the main highlights of this show was uh, Walter taking on Travis Banks for the Internet Championship. And they seem to be doing the same um, dynamic with Walter that a lot of other promotions are doing. They've had him feuding uh, with David Starr and then they're also throwing uh, Travis Banks into the mix, and, uh, into the mix rather. And I mean, uh, what did you think of this uh, Walter v. Travis Banks match here, Ollie? Yeah, I thought this was very good. Um, and the first two matches on this show um, really made it something definitely worth watching and checking out. Um it's had a very good pace to it as all water matches do him sort of chasing down the smaller man in banks and taking his frustrations out on his chest um yeah it was all good fun um and i the closing stretches especially i liked um a lot of spots that i've seen like walter do before (laughs) it kind of felt like a lot of his matches were bad bones over the last couple of months um like they because banks does the um the cross face as well and walter did like the exact same roll through he's been doing all year against bones so um, maybe it was a little bit um not exactly boundary pushing or anything but it was definitely good fun um and the, the finish of the draw with banks tapping out in the gojira clutch as he was like pinning walter's uh shoulders down for free was <laughs> again a good fun finish um which protects walter without having a chuck this title off of him uh, off of banks uh i don't really like the internet title concept it's very twee and like you know on the nose a bit too much um but yeah certainly if it is it's an excuse to have good matches like this i'm all for it yeah i think trap seems to have fun with that internet champion stuff he's kind of yeah he's made it his gimmick on twitter which is probably 
probably the most entertainment you can get out of it because yeah it's like the the modern equivalent of the of the tv title isn't it and he'll he'll post polls as your internet champion which which can be fun um but yeah i, I kind of i enjoyed this as well i thought that I, i'm kind of happy I never thought Walter would be a perfect fit for Defiance, but I'm kind of glad he's doing this rather than being snatched away quite yet to do the the Largo loop with with NXT. But I don't know, you never know that that might end up coming later in the year. But at least for now, yeah, he seems to be him being in Defiance and taking these extra bookings is is a good yeah. thing. And I would say, I mean, again, I was trepidatious going in, uh, kind of thinking, well, you know, can you can you trust Defiance based on you know their their previous track record? But I kind of enjoyed them. They kept up with the even the Walter David Star stuff that came before this, which is the reason Walter got his title shot. They kept in with the the Walter David Star canon, um, and they've done justice to that story as well, which we'll maybe talk about a little bit later with with another match there as well. So yeah, I, I kind of I was surprised how much this was kind of, this match maybe encapsulates the the show for me. It was probably the strongest match on the show, and again, I felt like uh, almost in a way to find to kind of. They got to this match before Progress could get to this match, with that coming up soon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't want to say that they're booking these two men better than Progress are, but I definitely prefer Travis Banks in this role here as the babyface and the underdog, as you just said, with the structure of the match, rather than being the, the dopey heel that uh, Progress have got him as. So, yeah, overall, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, the only negative, I thought, was, I mean, you were a little bit higher on the finish than me, Ollie. I did think it was inventive. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, it was a gimmicky finish, but I thought yeah. enjoyable in, like, the context of Defiant and, um, like, what I see the promotion as, like, kind of wwe light kind of thing. So, yeah. as far as kind WWE of... finishes go, it's a fun one. It's indie wrestling for WWE fans, isn't it, essentially? <laughs> uh, yeah, my only issue was, it was they didn't really explain the finish to the live crowd, so it just kind of similar to the progress book and it kind of make banks look like a bit of a putz but they did explain it on commentary so yeah hard hitting uh, good stuff and yeah, i was very pleasantly surprised by this one they also seem to uh showcase uh, their women's division quite well in defiant as well i was uh really obviously millie mckenzie's been used up and down the country now in a variety of promotions and um she had a she's been having a feud in defiant with uh kaylee ray over the championship and um another uh, another great match on the undercard here i thought ollie I was going to actually say something about um, the women's match, which, again, I thought equaled to Banks and Walter as, uh, like, the more traditional match of the night. Um, but I was going to say they put them on first, which kind of feels like it was put in a more prominent position. You see a lot of these, like, British cards, especially in progress, they always seem to, like, almost pigeonhole the women's match as, like, the second match and, like, the one that nobody really pays attention to. Um, and the doesn't really have a prominent spot on the card here they made it like a big deal so i thought and they did it naturally they weren't like you know going oh women's wrestling is great yeah it's like no this this is a match for the title you know there's an issue established here and it's on first in a prominent position especially on a show with a rumble match in the main event um you know you're gonna remember that first match more than say the third or fourth one um so i thought that was a good move by them like a good way of laying out the card and yeah, I thought this match had some really good moments and like both women kicked each other's asses around the arena. Um, and it was a lot of stuff we haven't really seen before, but it was all executed very, very well. Like Banks-Walter, I thought, again, it was a bit of a paint-by-numbers match, still fun, but this was a bit more out there and like uh, the dives and the, the moves on the apron were very exciting and something I haven't really seen before from Kaylee and Millie. Yeah, kind of. I thought that the these two being the choice as well, this being the women's match that opens, it kind of spoke to one big strength I thought about the card as a whole was the, the just the wrestler selection in general, um, the people that they're choosing to to put in these slots, and Miller McKenzie and Kaylee Ray are, are two are pretty much the, the the cream of the crop as far mm. as British and we haven't really seen them wrestle each other in no. singles before. That's it. Yeah, and it, it ends up being a really good match. One of the being honest, probably one of the better UK women's matches I've, I've seen in months. Um, they lost me a little bit when they were... The bumping on the stage was good, but when they kind of brawled into that pitch-black audience, they, Ooh, yeah. they lost me a little a bit look. there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that, that was unfortunate. That was kind of the old uh, production woes of Defiant yeah, Wrestling, maybe yeah. 
coming back to the forefront. But yeah, I thought they worked the match well. I did kind of forget near the end, though, the, the last man standing, last woman standing step, just because they didn't really, I don't think they teased it too much until it got mm. to, to the very end. But sometimes that works, you know, maybe not doing a whole bunch of near falls. And yeah, if you're going to, if you're going to end the match like that, then a, a Canadian destroyer off the top is, a, is certainly a way to do it. So yeah, this was just really refreshing, to be honest, and, and great use of both women. And also, what I did like about it, um, a couple of shows ago when we were talking about Millie McKenzie having a singles match against Chris Brooks in Fight Club Pro, we said, you know, it was a lot on her shoulders when it had been only 17 and she didn't seem that confident in certain things. But in this match, she seemed really confident going up in a Mm. singles match against Kaylee Ray. But uh, the only thing that did annoy me is the fact that Defiant, Fans seem to be the only ones still doing the one moose chant whenever there's a <laughs> count, and obviously there were lots of counts in this being a, oh, a last man standing match. And I was like, God, I thought that had got been gotten rid of in uh, British wrestling, but apparently, you know, in Defiant, <laughs> it's uh, still going strong. <laughs> I'd love to know when the last time what culture or Defiant even used moose. I imagine it, it wasn't that recent. Yeah. So yeah, um, that was the only thing that was annoying about that match. And um, just before we move on to the uh, Royal Rumble main event, um, Stu Bennett, obviously formerly known as Wade Barrett, has been the uh, general manager figure of, uh, of Defiant. And um, he announced on the show that he was going to be stepping down in his role. Um, I'm assuming that he's... Um, Stu Bennett's got um, some kind of series coming out on Netflix, so I imagine he's he's got to go on the promotional tour for that. And, uh, yeah, he'll be handing over to uh, who used to be known as a primate and now going by his real name of Jay Melrose. I mean, we discussed him retiring on the show, um, on the sh- on a couple of shows ago, rather. And, uh, yeah, so interesting to see they're the bringing Primate in as um, the, new, the new general manager here. And, um, yeah, moving on to the Rumble. I mean... I'm not usually a big fan of uh, sort of like indie show rumbles, but I thought this one was a, had a great variety of talent. They used a lot of people that um, you usually see in promotions such as Progress or uh, Red Pro or ICW, and then they mix them up with uh, people that you don't often see on, on that mega high-profile shows. And uh, certainly lots of interesting things to come out of this, I thought, Ollie. Yeah, like you say, there was a good mix of guys, not only the, you know, the boys from the Attack Fight Club Pro Progress sort of inner circle, but also, you know, Defiance guys like Kirby and Leggero and um, Kid Gracie, Archer, um, and also, you know, far out people like uh, Justin Sizen, who I really do want to see more of. Um, And then even (laughs) Simon Miller showing up. Um, He was one of the What Culture guys who did like videos about that. Um, that he seems to have stayed on in Defiant even after the What Culture Exodus um, because he was training to be a wrestler. Um, and obviously, you guys don't know him as well as I do. He used to do like YouTube videos about <laughs> video games. Um, like he worked at a website called Video Gamer, and like he was sort of like, I think he became the editor at one point, and then he sort of made the YouTube videos become like a long t- long term story with like wrestling type storyline between the staff it was very strange but very funny and i i, I enjoyed that so i have a an affinity to him <laughs> but yeah that was the only thing that was, was confusing about this match <laughs> for me was uh, simon miller being in there i was like it was this guy and he seemed uh, really over with the crowd but obviously <laughs> yeah. uh, like you said ollie he's sort of a, a bit internet famous i guess yeah <laughs> so i mean there was a long stretch in this match where he was just posing with size and and that probably came across as absolutely dire and even i didn't you know i wasn't the hugest fan but it was fun seeing him in there because i know he's wanted to be a wrestler for ages and has been training for it for a while so it was fun from that perspective of like knowing him outside of wrestling doing something he enjoys but as, as like a wrestling fan who doesn't know who he is i could see that you know <laughs> not landing at all I mean, um, Justin Sizem is somebody who um, I've been a big fan of for a while now, and he doesn't seem to be appearing in that many prominent promotions. He's usually mm. uh, sort of based in 3CW, and I know he does a lot of stuff for NGW. I mean, uh, Benno, were you impressed uh, Were you impressed just by looking at Sizem? I know he didn't do a great deal in this match, but um, is he somebody that you've seen before? I haven't seen a huge deal of him. I think the... I think you've nailed it there. And what's impressive about him is to look at him. That's kind of what he's got going for him at the moment. When he did the, when him and Miller did the the pose down with the, they weirdly got the baby oil out. That was just 
something quite weird. Um, and I, I did think as well, yeah, Miller did look very much like somebody in their in their first match. Um, but yeah, I thought Sizem looked all right. I think he's he's someone that, that obviously that you're immediately going to say, well, you know, at some point he's going to end up in WWE, and he kind of fits for this uh, defiant wrestling kind of thing where it is a weird crossover between WWE style wrestling and, and indie style wrestling so I'm open minded on him but I've not seen uh, anything that blows me away altogether but the match itself was kind of filled with, with lots of those little moments uh, I thought maybe they went a, a bit too heavy on the comedy like with the the baby oil spot with Sizem um, there was a lot of stuff you know inflatable Lycos being an entrance in the rumble uh, Jack Sexsmith coming out and getting kissed by David Starr and the whole they, they did the whole thing, didn't they, where they stopped and did the dancing segment with Amir Jordan that was put a stop to by by No Fun Dawn. All yeah. stuff that I kind of enjoyed in isolation, but mm. there was just a lot of it. It uh, was a very long rumble match as well. I think like even WWE don't have two minutes between the entrance. I think it's like 90 seconds normally. So I think this one went like an hour and a half. And yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of, you know dead air to fill sometimes it didn't feel like they had a lot of yeah a lot of time to fill you know doing things like doug williams and travis banks doing a who's your daddy spot there was just a lot of that but it was still better than all the square goes we've had to watch (laughs) that's that's my main takeaway i mean it's kind of cool isn't it to see a rumble with so many talented people we usually do have to review the icw ones and there are talented people in there but yeah there was a lot i'd say that the field here in this rumble was a lot stronger than than anything we've reviewed on this show i mean i wasn't sure if i was up to for another rumble so soon after the the greatest one this weekend um (laughs) but to be honest i got really into it there were big moments mckenzie and walter was a a standoff that i never uh, thought of expect he walter didn't exactly bump for her but it was still kind of cool wasn't it to to get that spot and as I mentioned earlier in the show, you know, talking about Walter, uh, having David Starr eventually eliminate him to a big pop was kind of showed me a little bit that, you know, defiant to paying attention to the, the little details there. Yeah. Um, and it meant something as well. There was, like I say, there was a, a huge pop when it happened when David Starr eliminated him. And it was a, a clever way of letting David Starr get one over on Walter while still not, you know, beating him clear in the mm. middle of the wrestling ring. So. Lots of lots of positive there to say about this rumble, and I, I really wasn't expecting it. I thought the it was just overall just they did a good job. If if maybe yeah, I can see that went a little bit long. Yeah, it might have been uh, slightly long, but what I also liked about it as well is the fact that um, even though none of us uh, watch Defiant on on the on a regular basis. Um, everyone mm. in this rumble with the commentary, you know, you knew who had had history with each other before, you know, by their interactions in the rumble, you know, um, and then they had this ongoing thing with Joe Hendry and um, his um, partnership with El Ligero that seemed to come to an end. So you had two El Ligeros in this uh, match, the Black Trump El Ligero and then the uh, slightly more colorful pants uh, El Ligero. And what I did like about it was uh, Martin Ke- Martin Kirby eventually won it. And he's somebody who uh, is most famous for his uh, tag team with Chris Travis, uh, Project Ego. And he-, he doesn't seem to be used in-, in that many of the more prominent promotions. But um, it's good that he's getting... Um, He's, mm. he's getting pushed uh, more so in, in this, um, I thought. Definitely. Like, it, Kirby's really, really good, and it, maybe it's just his geographic location. Maybe he can't come down south as much as other wrestlers or whatever circumstance. But yeah, it's cool that he's found a place where he feels like a major act. Uh, because um, I don't know if he comes across as necessarily a star, but he's such a good wrestler that he, he, you know, he deserves spotlight on him. And no other promotion really gets it to him. And yeah, like you say, this this whole this whole Defiant show, I enjoyed it more than I was expecting. Like it is very WWE esque and sort of attracts that kind of fan. But they also get the indie world, as you were saying, with uh, the Walter and Star back Star storyline going on, um, and then pushing that with uh, Star eliminating Walter from the Rumble. Like they get it. <laughs> it's just they're sort of packaging it in a very strange way. I did really enjoy the commentary as well. Like, could you imagine watching that rumble with Glenn Joseph and Dahlia Black? <laughs> just gotten completely lost. It would have all gone under with a bunch of in-jokes. Like, I thought um, Bradshaw and James R. Kennedy, you know, they kept things tight. They kept things to a point, got mm-hmm. over the character as well. That's how it should be, really. It shouldn't be, you know, a, a sideshow of itself. 
Yeah, I, th- I think I would. Without the commentary, I would have been a loss. You know, you mentioned Martin the the Elgueros thing. That was a little. I, I thought maybe the idea was better there than than the execution, but they at least explained. You know what was, and it was clear what was going on with Elgueros and Joe Hendry, who seemed to kind of be a a big part of of this rumble all the way through, and they kind of centered the big moments around it. So yeah, I, I'd agree there. The commentary was a good was was a big strength of the show. Uh, but just one one. I mean, one note on on the Martin Kirby thing. I, I I like that, that they've gotten behind him. I like that, you know, they've borrowed a lot of wrestlers here. There was a lot of progress talent on this show. There were a lot of the, the cool indie guys on this show, but as we've said, they mix in, you know, people that they're getting behind, the sizems of the world. And, and Martin Kirby is one, but it did feel a little bit, maybe it was the length of the match, but when it got to, you know, the final three and, and Kirby and Laguerra were going back and forth in the match, the crowd didn't seem that into it. Um, and I was surprised at that because Martin Kirby's always been really over. I don't know whether it was the injury angle they were trying to play up or or if it was, it was more than that, but that was the only thing really. And he got his big win and then, again, Defiant Wrestling. Uh, I don't know if it was the same on, on their on-demand service, but on Fight, um, after we kind of got the big David Starr, Rampage, Martin Kirby face-off, Kirby never really got his moment to, to shine because the feed just cut and went to black <laughs> while the commentators were still talking. So there's still those little things or those yeah. little hurdles with Defiant, which kind of took away a little bit from, from the Martin Kirby moment. But in principle, at least, uh, I certainly wouldn't argue with putting him over. And yeah, if he's if he's a Defiant guy through and through and he's not getting a, a huge amount of work in the, the other big groups, then yeah, it's good that that's the person that they're choosing to focus on. And uh, yeah, so I guess uh, thumbs in the middle, leaning up there for the uh, Defiant <laughs> show. And uh, yeah, so some certainly a promotion that we'll uh, have to keep more of an eye on uh, in the coming months. And moving moving away from Defiant now uh, to WXW. I mean, they held their uh, True Colors event recently in Dresden, Germany, on the fourteenth of April. This featured a massive main event between Ilya Dragunov and Walter. Walter, somebody who seems to be everywhere at the moment. I mean, before we talk about this. WXW um, event. Um, Benno, what did you think about Walter winning the uh, PWG title uh, recently? I think it's kind of winning the PWG titles. That's what worries me. I mentioned earlier, I'm hedging about whether Walter's going to rent WWE. Because it's kind of the joke that that seems to be the last thing you do before yeah. you head to WWE. Um, obviously, they wanted to get the the belt off of Keith Lee. Um, and if he's going to, someone who's going to at least be around for the time being, then it's cool. But it definitely says something to how hot an act Walter is. Um, it, it, you'd struggle to find a show that we've reviewed here over the last few weeks where Walter's not a part of the conversation. Um, he's just had a, an absolutely incredible year, but from an England point of view, and the fact that he's absolutely everywhere as well, you know, doing all the big shows, and I kind of. I'm split on whether that means that he wants to, he's working everywhere, he's doing more PWG, and that means that we're going to see more of him, or whether he's doing these things while he can, and then eventually, you know, we're maybe going to lose him. But yeah, I think I'm not a huge uh, follower of uh, PWG, but it's kind of, it's cool to see. And it's obviously, it's it's a big thing uh, in indie wrestling to be the PWG champion. It's like a, a seal of approval, really. And it just says uh, how incredible the last few years Walter has had. So moving back to uh, WXW, I mean, this was a, a big main event and Walter was back in his home promotion. I mean, Ollie, did um, it live up to the hype, dragging off uh, V Walter? Yeah, these are the two guys in WXW now, especially now that uh, Bad Bones is uh, suspended indefinitely. <laughs> um, this is the matchup, really, and they're going to go with it again uh, this weekend, actually, for uh, Superstars of Wrestling, which is their sort of... Um, bring in the old WWE names for a night. And we always joke that um, it's for one night a year where we don't have to like WXW. Because <laughs> in the past, that show has been occasionally not very good. <laughs> um, you know, bogged down with like the Billy Guns of the world and the Jeff Jarrett's and people like that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it has its audience, certainly. And that's why they do it. But yeah, Dragonov versus Walter. It obviously was an incredible match that highlighted 16 Carat last year. Um, with a, like probably the first unanimous five star match um, in modern European wrestling, I'd go so far as to say. Um, and then they referenced it again in that freeway, which Ilya Dragunov won the title in at this year's carrot. So it only seemed logical that they would go with it again for their next big event. Um, and, but this one felt a little bit different to the last ones because um, Walter was so much more heelish in it bullying Dragunov, beating him down. Um, 
and Dragunov just showcasing that incredible babyface comeback ability that he has. Like, we always joke about, like, Super Cena stuff and, like, Travis Banks doing the Super Cena, getting destroyed all match and hitting one move and winning. Dragunov does kind of, he does the same kind of act, but he just sells it so brilliantly that you just mm. get taken with it. Like, it, he is absolutely fantastic at that sort of style of just getting beaten to a pulp because he literally does get beaten to a pulp. You just got to look at his chest to prove it. And, like, Walter was opening up the scars that he'd given Dragonov the month before, <laughs> which he was opening up after he gave them the year before. Like, Dragonov just can't catch a break with Walter's chops. Um, and just the visuals of his comebacks are incredible. So, yeah, really good match. Um, they did do a lot of schmozzing with the referees. Um, uh, Walter attacking the referee to get a DQ, but then Dragunov asking for the match to restart and then beating Walter in that restarted match. But I did really like the small touch of Walter sort of, because he is office at WXW, sort of using his status to bully the non-office referee. But then when Tessio Young came in, he sort of, who is one of, another office member of WXW, he sort of uh, relented a little bit, but he was like beating, like he chose to beat up the, and get in the face of the non-office referee. So I think, I think they're crafting this heel character for Walter now where he's sort of going to use his status against people, um, which is an interesting character tidbit that they've added in this match. So it wasn't just a good match in a vacuum. It, it furthered the story to their next match coming up this weekend. Yeah, I, I kind of thought watching it, the strength was that, that character work, that subtle heel yeah. work from Walter. It kind of just gives an extra dynamic to his character, doesn't it? And, I mean, just to speak as well to, the, you know, the point you made about Ilya being, you know, an underdog and you can you could make the, the comparison that, he, that he's a, a super scene or it's just... But what makes it different with him is just how i suppose it's the fight in him you know if he he fires back and gets caught by by a walter boot at, at a point in this match and he but he fires back again mm. such as you know his fight he's swinging wild and he he never stops i think that's kind of what makes him different it's all of those little things it's the timing of his comebacks it's you know little moments where you know walter's getting frustrated and Ilya kind of spits at him and mm. wants him to you know come at him even harder it's just that it's that constant intensity and that constant working. And these are two men who just, as well as like you mentioned, Dolly having a, a good match in a vacuum, but they both know their own character so well. That's, I think that's what makes the difference here. And that what's, that's what makes you invest even more. You invest in the, the underdog, the never say die uh, attitude of Ilya. And you, you know, you get a little bit more depth with the, with the Walter character here with him going heel. So yeah, I think that was a, another real strength of the match and, and why it works so well. If it may be not as, as good as the, the lofty heights of, of their match last year, it was certainly a, a good companion piece. I mean, uh, moving away from WXW now onto uh, home shows. I mean, you guys on the last episode talked about the rumours uh, about ITV uh, rekindling their interest in doing a World of Sports show, and uh, a couple of weeks later they confirmed this, that they're going to be uh, doing a, a set of tapings in Norwich on the 10th, 11th, and 12th of May. This is going to be a, a 10-part series, and, and this is the same TV studio in Norwich that's regularly used by the Knight family for their promotion, WAW, and also WWE used it last year for their second WWE UK special. And... Um, I mean, I know you guys discussed it in brief on the last show, but who can we see being a part of this World of Sports series this time around? Do we think it's going to be a similar mix of, of the guys they used before? And uh, also, do we think it's going to be similar to the special that was on uh, on Christmas? Uh, not last Christmas, the Christmas before, Ollie? Well, they've lost uh, Zach Gibson, <laughs> for one, to WWE UK, um, because he's signed and sealed there. Um but yeah, it's it's been so long since that Christmas special that um, it, it it's gonna look and feel a bit different, isn't it? Um, I'm not really in a position to speculate about who is, but it's probably gonna be those usual suspects, maybe like the the defiant regulars, that sort of guy, mm -hmm. um, who don't really have an affinity to WWUK or like the Rev Pro New Japan um stuff going on there it's going to be sort of that middle ground maybe more northern guys um that you see in defiant um that'd probably be the best bet of what it's gonna look like roster wise but also you got to consider like the production 
it, and obviously no more like Jarrett influence, which was going to be the taping a year ago. It was all going to be Impact and Jarrett, and that's all out the window now. So it's all, I don't know, it's going to feel very celebrity wrestling, isn't it? All that, that ITV, tea time family-friendly stuff. Um, I think that's what you're going to expect, I think. Yeah, I think it's going to be like you said, only more of the same. Just the fact that the, the it does feel it seem like it's TV people again, and there aren't any wrestling yeah. people involved. Uh, you probably see Grado come back. I can't see him, <laughs> you know, signing for WWE anytime soon. But as for the rest, it's it's kind of hard to say. I mean, maybe we'll get some of the Knight family on there. They're not uh, they're not very happy with the you know the the elephants in the rooms at ITV. The fact that they're running WAW's usual venue, um, they've been very vocal about that. They were vocal last year when WWE uh, ran Norwich. Apparently, it's their town. I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe they'll get paid off and we'll uh, we'll get all the Knight family on the show. Uh, I'm not sure how well they'd, they fit into Saturday uh, evening TV, but I suppose they, they did show they would say they were open to those uh, kind of jobs. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to say with ITV. I think uh, the big thing for me is why would people say yes uh last year we we definitely saw you know a joe coffee or even a dave mastiff or a zach gibson or people who wwe would have definitely snapped up um if they were if they were available um and i think if you tie yourself up to an itv contract you're taking yourself away from that bigger probably bigger wwe deal depending on the on the money offer or or, or what you're after there so yeah it's going to be it's going to be weird to see but yeah i think it's it's definitely going to be more of that uh, that saturday night family friendly show which has its has its place um but uh, i don't think it's i don't know i don't think we're gonna have the, the pick of the scene i think it's going to be like ollie said the def- defiant types of maybe the leftovers of a of five-star wrestling yeah, and as I've noted before, it seems that uh, ITV sort of like pump a lot of money and interest into uh, these Saturday tea time shows and then get bored with them in- instantly, <laughs> don't they? I mean, they've had so many different Saturday night shows come and go over the past couple of years that um, if this isn't an instant massive success for them, I can't see them uh, being interested in more than 10 episodes. So, uh, yeah, but when when they first announced that it was going to be in Norwich, I, I instantly thought, oh, well, they've finally got some wrestling people involved in it. I thought, you mm. know, they might be having the knights running the wrestling side of it and itv were going to be doing the production side of it but it seems it's it's going to be like it was before that um it's going to be more of an entertainment style show than a, a sports show so yeah it'll be certainly interesting to watch the first episode but um i don't think any of us have got high hopes for it being anything other than the uh same christmas special we got a couple of years ago yeah we'll so. check it out definitely but it's <laughs> it's not exactly um i'm not circling my calendar and counting down the days <laughs> Yeah, I won't be making the trip down to Norwich. I haven't even uh, considered that five-hour train trip. I don't think I'll be doing that. No. <laughs> no. Um, so, yeah, moving on to uh, May, which is going to be a huge month for uh, European and British wrestling. I mean, we've had a lot of uh, stacked months already this year, but this one seems that uh, all the major companies have got uh, massive shows on, and uh, the first one of these is a Progress's annual Super Strong Style 16 tournament. I mean... This is usually one of the highlights of the British wrestling calendar, uh, usually held over three days, and on and this year it's going to be on the 5th, 6th, and 7th of May, held at the Alexandra Palace, and Progress have only used this venue once before. Um, it's obviously a lot bigger than their usual home of the Electric Ballroom in Camden, and uh, yeah, as always, they've got a really interesting lineup, and uh, we'll just quickly go through the names and then talk about some of the matches that we'd be interested in, in seeing here. We've got... Pete Dunn, Keith Lee, Zack Sabre Jr., Doug Williams, Angelico, Mark Andrews, Flash Morgan Webster, Chuck Mambo, Chris Brooks, Jordan Devlin, Joey Janela, TK Cooper, David Starr, Tyler Bate, Cassius Ono, and uh, the Grizzled Young Vets team of uh, James Drake and uh, Zach Gibson uh, rounding it up. So, uh, Ollie, I mean, certainly a stacked lineup there. So, what are some of the matchups that you'd it'd be interested in seeing out of uh, those competitors for this year's Super Strong Style mm. tournament? So, this is like a really nice list of names, but it doesn't feel like a very cohesive list of names, if you know what I mean. Mm. Like, you, how many winners, potential winners in that lineup can you see? It's, it's not very many. Um, and if I was putting any money on it, which I'm not, uh, I'd probably say they're going to do Tyler Bate versus Pete Dunne in the final um, because that's, you know, the the sexy match, isn't it? Um, and the, the, the WWE uh, <laughs> officiated match, like, I just can't see either of those guys 
losing before the final. So that's going to be the final. Um, and I'm sure it would be a very good match. But it just has the very strong whiff of, um, you know, WWE man's going to be uh, taking notes off the side of the stage. He's going to whip out his his iPad when Keith Lee comes out. And, you know, Cassius Ono will be reporting back to regal about <laughs> who's good and who isn't it yeah <laughs> like i pretty much like all the names on this list i think like guys like mambo and williams i i know they've been doing stuff with williams i just haven't been into it but chuck mambo feels especially egregious on this list just because they haven't used him at all in the last couple of months like i wouldn't mind him being on there had there been some sort of build to him being in the tournament like there was with Jack Sexsmith last year. That was really well executed, the Sexsmith story, and him eventually beating Gibson was one of the highlights of Progress's year, um, that match, um, just for the story they told. But here they've just sort of chucked chuck Mambo on without any reason, and we're just supposed to care about him. It's very strange. Um, and also, I've already told you guys I don't like the the, the gimmick of having the tag team be able to pick who's in. Just say Gibson. Like <laughs> they're gonna swerve us and give us Drake, and he's gonna go out in round one, and it'll be all be useless. But like Gibson's the only other guy in the tournament other than Bait who I can see actually winning the thing. Um, not only because he's WWE UK signed, but also because he's such a bloody good character, um, and they haven't really used him in a singles capacity recently. So it would be very interesting to see him make a run. But that that gimmick of the tag team being able to pick who they want is is a weird one <laughs> other than that you know it's a nice list of names but i'm just not it doesn't feel like a whole cohesive tournament if you know what i mean oh i just it's hard isn't it to kind of just looking at the names like you said that there's nobody who jumps out i mean the only person who i kind of look at as a dark horse and someone who whose matches i'm looking forward to here jordan devlin mm. i think he's someone oh, yeah. who i mean Listeners to this show have heard us gush about him over over the last year or so, and anyone who watches promotions other than Progress will be very well aware, especially OTT, at how good Jordan Devlin has gotten. But within the Progress canon, we've not seen a lot of Jordan Devlin, so I almost feel like within that universe, this could be a real breakout tournament for him if yeah. if they give him you know a good run through to maybe even just the semis. I think he'll give you some killer blow-away matches if you teamed him up with Cassius Ono. I think that'd be awesome if you gave him another Zack Sabre yeah. Jr. match. That'd be awesome as well. I think there's lots you could, you could do out there with him. I think he's probably the most interesting person in this tournament for me, apart from you know, the what if of what they're going to do with Cassius Ono. Yeah, that's obviously uh, the, big, the big thing to look out for is what mm-hmm. matches Ono is going to get put in. Um, and <laughs> I just really hope they don't waste him. Like, <laughs> give us the big boy matches that we want to see. Um, Cassius Ono versus Chuck Mambo. How about that? It's, I mean, it, they're going to do it, aren't they? It's inevitable. <laughs> but yeah, I completely agree with you there, Benno. Uh, Jordan Devlin is a name that definitely uh, jumped out to me because, like you've noted just there, we have, we have been raving about him on this show. And I think this could be a real sort of coming out party for him as well, especially mm-hmm. people who, who just watch progress on a, on a worldwide scale and people who've only seen him in that uh, WWE UK tournament yeah. where he was, he was, you know, that wasn't the best of Jordan Devlin you were right. seeing. So I think he yeah, could have a real strong showing here. <laughs> And also on the weekend, we've got a champion v. champion. We've got the Progress champion taking on the Atlas champion, uh, Travis Banks against Walter, a match that we've just talked about earlier. But do you think there'll be a different dynamic here in this one, Ollie, especially with uh, Banks playing this sort of like tween uh, heel character? Well, this is a very interesting match because it's for the Progress championship, supposedly the bigger championship, but Walter has made that Atlas title the championship in Progress right now and he's easily been the most interesting thing over the past few months um and he's had the best matches too and they even put him in the main event over um banks versus cooper um for walter versus thatcher which was the right move (laughs) so it's almost like banks is challenging walter here so that'll make a very interesting dynamic um right off the bat also obviously banks is sort of playing heel now um and i could very easily see them putting the title on Walter and making him a double champ. And in fact, that is what they should do because, you know, obviously one eye is now on Wembley and you got to think what's going to main event that show. Mark Andrews versus Eddie Dennis is almost inevitably going to be on it, but that's not really the main event. That's like the, 
the grudge match semi-main. You need that progress title main event to really mean something. And I'm just not like Travis Banks has had a decent run with it, but it just hasn't quite panned out the way they wanted it to. Like it's no offense to the guy, but um, like, I feel like now is the time to put it on someone they can really build up to. And I think Walter is the final boss of progress, you know, hushed under your breath for the WWE link as well. They can link, link into that and then build up a challenger for him, which Mark Davis, it should be Mark Davis, but it's not going to be Mark Davis. <laughs> um, but yeah, build up a challenger for Walter ahead of that and put the title on him here. Double champion, Jumbo Saruta style, two belts. <laughs> and, you know, build build up to there. you got a good few months. Yeah, he's a hot, hot indie guy right now, Walter. He's just, I think, I if, if it was up to me, that's what I'd do as well. I'd definitely put the belts on him. I just think there's, there's no more juice left in this Travis Banks run. I think he's... They're trying to to make lemonade with with what they've got right now, and they're going you know full force with the the heel stuff. And I do actually think, as much as I'm not hugely into that, I, I can kind of see it being a a strong element of the match if Travis Banks is you know being that that heel and trying to get away from the hard strikes of Walter, similar to the matches that uh, Zack Saber Junior. and Walter will have. I think it'll it'll lean into being a, a strong match. But yeah, I can't see any other scenario here other than a Walter win and just. I'd just go with it at this point. He, he's becoming the most over man in the company. Um, like we keep saying, biggest indie star at the moment. I think he's the man to get behind. I don't know what that where that leaves Travis Banks. I don't know what you're doing with them when you've got this spare part of a of a heel of Travis Banks. But I suppose there's maybe more story you could tell there with, with Chris Brooks or TK Cooper. Uh, no more three ways, please. But maybe there's uh, something else you could do with him here. But yeah, I can't see past a, a Walter uh, big win here either. And uh, Progress aren't the only promotion uh, putting on an event this weekend. Uh, Pro Wrestling Eve have got their biggest event today, Wrestle Queendom. And uh, this is a, an all-women's promotion that we haven't really discussed on the show before. Um, they usually host their shows at the Resistance Gallery in London, a venue that holds uh, maybe just over uh, 100 people. And, uh, yeah, this is going to be in, in Red Pro's usual venue of uh, York Hall, and it's going to be uh, on the at the same time as the first day of Super Strong Style, so uh, interesting the uh, clash of shows here, and um, they usually use a mix of homegrown female talent mixed in with some uh, Joshi legends, they've had a Manami Toyota over before, and uh, they get a lot of mainstream press, don't they, and uh, especially around the time that Glow was released on Netflix, uh, a lot of people like the BBC were were covering uh, Pro Wrestling Eve, and uh, yeah, big jump to be covering York Hall, and um, they've sort of stacked this with um, a huge name uh, coming back from the past of uh, Joshi. They've got Arja Kong taking on uh, Viper, Kaylee Ray against uh, Miko Satamora, and then um, a big match for them is um, the Pro Wrestling Eve title match. Uh, the champion Sammy Jane taking on sort of the ace of Eva, Charlie Morgan. And Ollie, um, have you had a chance to watch much Eve before? And what do you think about them running uh, York Hall? It's a big jump, isn't it, from the Resistance Gallery? <laughs> Oh, certainly. It's it's only over the road, but in terms of attendance, it's um, probably about 12 times the size. Um, so I, it'll be interesting to see what the attendance number is, definitely. I am not the man to talk to about Eve because I'm very put off by, by um, the weird like political rallies that they do mid-show and also the way they set up the arena to make uh, the owner uh, of the promotion essentially look like... Um, like a pharaoh looking over her peons uh, <laughs> from the ancient world. It's it's a very strange environment to be in, and all, like making people stand at the back if they're too tall. They can't can't stand front row if you're over six foot. Apparently, it's just it's all very strange. Um, and you know we get on we get on progress for sort of having that sort of you know oh we're all in it together environment um, to try and sell you t-shirts. But Eve is like that times 50 <laughs> it's a it's a strange one so i don't know if you guys have any more positive takes on eve than i do um can to be honest i mean i'm not i don't follow them a huge amount but i'm looking at this card and i'm th- i'm definitely thinking i'm going to be watching this one live mm. i believe it's on fight um yeah i mean the political side of eve can be uh, yeah can be a bit off-putting at times and the the owners and sometimes how they conduct themselves on twitter isn't the best either but as far as a wrestling card i mean i think they've they've made good use of what they've got i think the 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 best example the, the use of the imports here you know miko and kaylee ray that's a, a you know as far as women's wrestling goes that's a something of a, of a dream match from a from a 
British point of view, uh, Aja Kong and Viper. Uh, for for Aja Kong's first, I believe it's a first appearance in Europe ever, isn't it? Yeah. And she's a a genuine legend. And yeah, mm-hmm. I think Viper's a, a really good person to put her against. I think yeah, it's that's, a, that's the match, but we'll sell tickets definitely. And yeah, just, yeah seeing Aja Kong is crazy. That's what will get people into the building, and then for the you know for the existing Eve fans, they've got the Sammy Jane and Charlie Morgan thing. Charlie Morgan, someone you know, I've criticised in the past in this show, a kind of. Her, her big breakthrough in getting the more bookings and the likes of progress hasn't gone well. She's had all the poise of Wiley Coyote at times there, but in Eve itself, she does boss the room, and she's a, a really strong character. And I could see, you know, this being a, a seminal moment for her and a big win for her. So yeah, I mean, there's a couple of get everyone else on the card matches on here. You know, the big ladder match and the and the War Games rule match as well. We even got Jetta on the card, which I'm kind of excited that the old school Brit Res name there, who's uh, who made a bit of a comeback in recent times. So yeah, as much as Eve isn't a promotion I follow hugely closely, I think there's 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 a few things to get excited about there. And um. Also, the weekend after that, um, Red Pro have got their uh, massive epic encounter event <laughs> on the 11th of May at York Hall in Bethnal Green, and um, it's the new Red Pro champion, uh, Tomohiro Ishii, taking on Keith Lee, and this is uh, the second time these two have faced off in Red Pro, and uh, a lot of people had uh, their first encounter as match of the year in 2017. Uh, you think we'll get more of the same here, here Ollie? Yeah, this is the match <laughs> that we've all been looking forward to, um, and they've put the title on it now as well, which is very exciting. <laughs> I mean, Ishii feels like the ace of her pro, the way they've used him in the last couple of years. Um, he's just had these amazing matches in the York Hall. He's really made that building his own, and considering New Japan don't really use him that much anymore, even in like on the undercard, they only throw him in tags. Um, it's great for him to let loose a little bit and <laughs> have those killer matches in a crazy environment where everyone's cheering for him. Um, so yeah, that'll be really exciting. And again, Suzuki and Sabre as the tag champs is an- another inspired move using that New Japan link effectively. Um, and yeah, it'll just be exciting to see Suzuki and Ishii in that environment with their crazy auras going up against the British guys. Um, that, that's kind of the the selling point of every York Hall show, and it's certainly one that appeals to me and my preferences. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do with uh, Suzuki Gun. Obviously, just noted there, Ollie, they're uh, the tag team champions, but it seems Sabre Jr.'s going around uh, losing all his, all his belts as he, he seems <laughs> to be taking uh, more time to uh, spend in Japan. And, and on this show, they're taking on uh, CCK, Chris Brooks, and Travis Banks. Can you... Uh, See um, CCK winning the uh, Red Pro tag belts here, Benno? Potentially. I think that, I mean, I think we'll see less of Zack Sabre Jr. in the Indies. It looks like he's moving back to the UK, which will be a big factor, I think. Uh, obviously, he's going to be spending a lot of time uh, in Japan still. But I think I think he'll, he'll keep most of his, his Red Pro bookings and... Part of me looks at it and says, well, if if the if they're gonna have Minoru Suzuki with, as one half of the champions, if they can get him over, I'm sure they can get Zack Saber over as well. So I don't know. I don't think that the end is near for them. I think they'll they'll continue with them as tag team champions. CCK have been good in Rev Pro. They've had some strong matches and then they've had some forgettable moments like that uh, Young Buck six man was it uh, uprising. Uh, uh, hopefully this this big match against New Japan talent will be a better showcase for him than that match was. Um, but yeah, I, 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 could, I could maybe see it happen as, an, as a bit of a surprise. Um, but I think, yeah, the, the better thing to do maybe would be to keep the belts on Suzuki and Sabre Jr. Because like Ollie said, it, it was inspired putting the belts on them. And there's, I think there's, there's lots more you can do with that reign as well. So I don't quite think the, the time is there for CCK yet. But yeah, it should be should be uh, an awesome match. But I did say that about the, the Bullet Club Youngwoods match with CCK. So mm-hmm. I guess we'll, uh, we'll wait and see. And uh, also on that same weekend, on the uh, 12th, we've got um, OTT in Ireland putting on uh, their Scrappermania 4 event. And this is always a huge um, event um, for OTT. And they've uh, stacked this one to the gills. Obviously, they've got uh, some kind of working relationship now with Red Pro. And they're, they're putting that to good use. They've got Jeff Cobb against Tomohiro Ishii. Keith Lee taking on Minoru Suzuki. Matt Riddle against Will Ospreay. Uh, we've got Jordan Devlin uh, taking on Zack Sabre Jr. for the OTT World Title. I mean, Ollie, this is uh, this is up there with the most stacked of uh, OTT cards, isn't mm. it? Yeah, we've been high on OTT uh, to start the year off. They've had a, a good start to the year, focusing more on the young Irish talent. 
Um, and now oh, this is the I think their first stadium show of the year, so they're going bigger on the imports as they do. Um, but yeah, they got a couple of very good dream matches, exclusive dream matches um, that they're going to get to before anyone else. Um, yeah, that'll be a very exciting show to watch. Um, if not in the same vein as the OTT shows we've seen up to this point this year, but this is sort of them um, doing the you know nifty slam dunk <laughs> every couple of times they go to the stadium in a year. You know they always put on all the big imports. Uh, so. You know, you got to let them indulge themselves a little bit in that regard. It'll be a very fun show, and yeah, get getting uh, Ishi and uh, Ishi um, and Suzuki in definitely <laughs> the right guys to have to sell your show. Yeah, I think they've kind of you got three can't miss matches there. Cobb and Ishii yeah. was really good at WrestleCon. They had great chemistry. I think we'll get more of the same. Lee, Keith Lee and Minoru Suzuki. I think you've got to get those Keith Lee matches done while you can. Yeah. <laughs> That's another great looking match. And Riddle and Osprey was my match of the year in progress in 2016. They had an incredible match at the WWN Super Show a few weeks ago. So that's another guaranteed win. So no matter what else happens on the card, you know, Devlin and Zack Sabre Jr. is in there as well. Uh, I think we're looking yeah, at... That's a know, really big one for Devlin as well as the yeah, new ace. Yeah, it's a good good challenge for him. And yeah, exactly. It's a, I mean, he's, he's got stiff competition on the show there, but you've got to believe he's going to be out there and Zack Sabre Jr. is going to be out there trying to steal the show. So we've talked about a lot of big shows coming up there, but this is the, the one with the with the most matches that I'd look at and say, this could, this could steal it. I think this could be the show of May, but I think we're going to have a, a lot of strong shows uh, as competition with it. Yeah, I mean, uh, we obviously haven't got time to go through every single one, but then Fight Club Pro got uh, the return of Sendai event, which looks uh, pretty good. And then also Ring of Honor are doing a a three-day tour at the end of May, coming off uh, their biggest show today over WrestleMania weekend. Uh, They're stopping off in Edinburgh, London, and the wrestling mecca that is Doncaster Dome. And uh, (laughs) this is going to feature the usual roster of ROH talent, as well as uh, talent from New Japan. I mean, Benno, uh, ROH used to be, you know, your company. I mean, is this something that you're excited about in 2018? Not really. I'm surprised to hear myself say that. It's kind of got lost for me. I've been buying so many tickets for so many shows, and there's so much big news with, you know, New Japan coming over themselves outright, and the WWE stuff, and the ITV stuff, and all of these big shows in May. That Yeah, Ring of Honor's got a little bit lost in the shuffle for me. Um, not a huge fan of the, the places they're running here. I mean, yeah... The Doncaster Dome is a stuff of Brit Res Law with uh, with one PW running there in the past. So part of me is uh, intrigued about what they do there. But yeah, I think that the hottest part of that Ring of Honor product is obviously the Bullet Club guys, and you can likely see them on the New Japan tour, depending on whether they bring them over. Um, and yeah, if you've got the choice, Ring of Honor came over, you know, last year. Um, New Japan is a, is a fresh thing, and I just think we're going to hit that point really where we've got so many of these super shows coming up that people are going to have to choose how to spend the money. And there's not a great deal about Ring of Honor in in 2018, you know, aside from that Bullet Club stuff that that would uh, would make me spend my money. But I'm sure that you know they've got a fan base there, and I'm sure there will be people coming out. But yeah, uh, I'd almost forgotten it was coming up, and I was a a huge Ring of Honor fan back in the day. So maybe that says something about the the fatigue in this country and maybe the, the position of a uh, ring of honor as things are i mean you mentioned the word fatigue there uh benno i mean this question uh for ollie and then and then you after benno but um i mean we've been talking for a few years now about how stacked you know these shows get more and more stacked don't they <laughs> do you think do you think there's going to be some kind of burnout i mean um a show like a Ring of Honor are doing, you know, with all the Bullet Club guys, would have been an instant sellout, sort of like, you know, sort of about seven or eight years ago. But now there's so many choice, like you've just noted there, Ben. Mm. You, you, like, you don't even have to go to these shows. It just seems like we're, we're so spoiled, and those New Japan shows haven't sold out yet. Do you think the UK is going to get to a, a case of burnout, Ollie, with uh, there being so many super shows on? Or do you think this is something that can continue uh, for another couple of years? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things to think about. Um, and one is uh, that each promotion has to sell themselves in a unique way. They can't just throw out dream matches. Um, and it, obviously they can do that if the talent's over and available. Um, and you, you sort of see this with OTT now. Like last year they did get bogged down in, you know, weird bullet club shenanigans and, you know, 
selling shows based off of dream matches and we we kind of lost sight of them a little bit because they did just blend in but now they're sort of pushing that irish element and they're pushing jordan devlin as the man to pay attention to but also a bunch of up-and-comers coming through in prominent spots it's they're starting to become more interesting um and obviously RevPro and Progress are leaning a lot more heavily on their their partnerships with New Japan and WWE, respectively. So if you're a fan of those promotions, you go to see them for that. Um, each promotion has to find their own thing. And I think that's what Fight Club Pro is maybe struggling with right now, because their thing was always, we get over the guys you don't normally see. But now everyone's thing is that, and they've sort of... They've they've lost sight of themselves a bit and need to find an angle on it. Um, and another thing is on the fans, really, you have to pick and choose your spots. Like you're not going to go to every show, and that's okay. Um, I think it's better to become more loyal, not necessarily up the arse of certain promotions, but just get invested in the storylines of certain promotions, the characters of certain promotions, um, if they appeal to you, um, and not just try and go to literally everything and anything. Um, and get kind of a half-baked experience out of it. Yeah, I think the, the experience has got to be the selling point. I think yeah. you getting to go and experience a New Japan legitimate show, I'm not bothered if it's, you know, it's the lower card New Japan guys. I'm going to that show because I want the legitimate New Japan experience. If they come back again next year, I'll probably do it again. Um, whereas Ring of Honor, I think that because we've kind of had that and you know i've experienced ring of modern ring of honor shows i've done that now and it's kind of on to the next thing and like ollie said there's only so much you can do from a, a dream match perspective as well uh, uh um there's only so many combinations you can do we just listed off a, a few matches there that sound great but all matches that you could uh, you know with a couple of exceptions say well actually that happened elsewhere a little while ago as well if you want to see you know again going back to the ring of honor example you want to see the young bucks Chances are you're going to be able to have seen them elsewhere at some point. You're going to be able to see them at Rev Pro uh, at some point in the last year. So, yeah, I think there's a we've seen this happen before, haven't we, Martin? It's kind of the 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 super show was kind of became an in joke. Alex Shane ran so yeah. many of them in the mid 2000s that it it kind of killed the territory. And I, I don't expect that to happen anytime soon. I think the scene is a lot stronger. Definitely. I think WWE UK as well as probably as much as you know maybe don't like to give it too much credit there's a lot of people i speak to who got into british indies because of that wwe uk tournament start to go to progress start to go into fight club pro and i do think if wwe uk does you know start going again this year that there'll be more fans coming in as well for brit res so i don't think we're at an explosion point but um i do think yeah the people like ollie said people are gonna have to pick and choose their shows um and there isn't a there's a, a finite number of of fans even if it is still expanding so yeah i don't think we're at the end of the boom yet but it's definitely gonna the summer of 2018 is uh, likely gonna test it and uh, just before we wrap up here uh benno a promotion that you used to be part of um had, had an interesting show this past weekend yeah uh, gpw grand pro wrestling uh, train there and had a couple of matches there uh, a few years ago. I managed to get back to there at the weekend. They had a, a fun show. They they kind of they're a smaller local promotion based in Wigan, and they they drew only a hundred or so people, but it's kind of the same one hundred people. And talking about you know the old days of Brit Res kind of gets me thinking about that. That, that there's promotions like GPW and Future Shark and IPW and PCW who did that hold things down. You know, in those middle times where you know before the Brit Res boom. Uh, they were always the one constant, but yeah, it was fun getting to go back and you know see some some old friends there, and it, it was a fun show. It's a it's a family show, GPW. You know, you got got a show with a a man who knows voodoo, a, a man imp- impersonating a sheik, and a man in a bear suit, and you kind of know what kind of a show it was. There was a wrestler there with the name of Sandy Beach as well, which I thought was a an excellent name. Uh, not a huge thing, amount of things notable, um, other than the fact that there's the fact that when when I used to wrestle there, there were fans in the in the crowd who were toddlers who, who've actually turned out on it and are wrestlers now on their shows lucy sky being one um that made me feel very old um and th- i mean the biggest takeaway from being there was just seeing sam gradwell who's someone who i, I mean when we talk about gpw i can't be unbiased uh, you know with my own ties to the promotion and he's someone who i remember his first training session but talking about WWE uk he's someone who's really come along in the last year since his association with that group as a heel he kind of 
bosses the room. He's like their little territory heel there. And he, he's showing a side of him that made me think, yeah, with WWE UK coming up, uh, maybe they could cast him a little bit better than they did last year. They had him as maybe the, the bland John Cena style baby face. Um, but he's a really, really strong worker. And it, it was great to, to get to GPW and see him have a, a really good match with Joey Hayes. So, yeah, fun trip down memory lane. And it, yeah, it was great being back in that building, uh, remembering uh, all my, my old days of uh, getting beaten 11 seconds and uh, having uh, such classic matches uh, in the old boring. Not, uh, not tempted to uh, lace your boots back up then. It'd be a good idea, wouldn't it? There seems to be a lot going on. ITV, WWE, maybe I can get myself a cut. No, those days are, are very much gone. I'll uh, I'll stick to uh, going out and doing uh, these big Benadorm weekends. I couldn't uh, couldn't give up that kind of stuff for, for the wrestling. I have far too much podcast, far too much fun podcasting with you guys as well. So yeah, I'll, uh, I'll stay away. Um, so anyway, we'll be back um, on the 16th of May talking Progressive Songstyle Red Pro and all the uh, all the shows, hopefully, that uh, we've just uh, run down there for you. And uh, be sure to head over to ProWrestling.com, check out all the rest of the shows and uh, the Post Wrestling Forum, leave you as your feedback for the, this week's show. And uh, you can head over to Twitter and follow me at Bushby01. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at BensonRichardD. And you can follow me at AnotherRolly. And yeah, like I said, we'll be back on the 16th of May. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.